0: Welcome to our third installment of Five Magazine's podcast series, Conversations, where we speak with influencers from all over the world in the dance music industry. In this episode, I'm very excited to have a good friend of mine who has contributed enormously to the house music culture with his tireless work behind the scenes. His name is Frederick Dunson. Serving others and giving back to his community has always been important to Frederick. He was employed at the Office of the Clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County for nearly 34 years, where he worked his way from file clerk to chief deputy clerk of the Juvenile Justice Division. He received numerous commendations and acknowledgments for his public service and retired in December of 2014. Since then, he has continued his service work as founder, president, and executive director of the Frankie Knuckles Foundation, which was formed to honor the famed Grammy Award winner, Frankie Knuckles, Frederick's best friend and business partner, in order to continue Frankie's legacy through charitable endeavors. Dunson and Knuckles, who were partners of their production company, d and Entertainment, held some of the most highly anticipated and attended events for 13 years at some of the most renowned and venerable venues here in the city of Chicago. In this next hour, I'll be talking to Frederick about his relationship with the late and great Frankie Knuckles, his stories about the warehouse, and most importantly, all the work that he and his Frankie Knuckles Foundation have been doing. All right, so here we are with Conversations, podcast number three, and I am so honored because for years we have been trying to get him here, Mr. Frederick Dunson. Everybody, Frederick Dunson, say hello.
1: Hello.
2: Sound like I'm on What's Happening Live. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, and thank you. Frederick also brought some champagne, which is very delicious. So we've got some loose lips now, haven't we? Well, we got a buzz going, you know. Well, so I want to just tell you a story of how I first met Frederick. Uh-oh. So I love him because I was actually in an interview yesterday talking about the beginnings of Five magazine, and a lot of people did not show us love in the beginning. But one of the first people that did show us love and support right away were you and Frankie? Oh. So,
2: well, not to cut you off, but go ahead. I am sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no, no. So, so, so uh, thank you. I mean, you, you bought advertising and you gave us interviews right away. So, there is more to it, but go ahead.
2: Well, <laughs> but I, I was going to say. Thank you publicly. Again, thank you. Because from day one, uh, you embraced Frankie, you loved him, you followed him, you promoted him. You did the same with D&E. And you continue to do so even with him not physically being here with us with FKF. So I I have to really, you know, and me and you go through it. You you know, (laughs) We we go through it. So (laughs) I mean, it's no secret. So, but, and I tell people, people will say this, that, and the other, Mm -hmm. and I always say she's the only person that's trying to keep it alive and keep it out there. Oh. Can't read you for that. Thank you. Now, read you for everything else, but can't read you for that. Oh, he reads me. (laughs) And the, the magazine has always been very fresh looking. As opposed to others who have tried and attempted to do something. So, you know, it's always very fresh. So
0: Thank you. And Thank it reached you. a different
2: market than just the suitcase at my door crowd.
0: Suitcase at my door crowd? You what know, does that, that like mean? To hear, suitcase at my door. Oh, oh see, I'm learning something new. But it's funny because Frederick checked me. So you guys were having a party at Soundbar. Remember that? And I was bogus. Check. Well, Well, here's what had happened was, and I I will take full responsibility for it because I'm always telling people to pay cover. But you guys had paid for a full page color ad in Five Magazine. I remember that. And for a party that you were having at Soundbar with Frankie Knuckles, and I asked to be put on the list. And I think something like I heard, like Frederick's like, well, we paid full price for the ad. She can pay. I remember that. And I was so humbled by that. And I was like, he is absolutely right. I was like, thank you. Because, you know, I mean, it's not like you asked for a discount for the ad. So why shouldn't I pay? I'll never forget that.
2: Well, Frankie would see it differently, but... Yeah. <laughs> Which is why
1: I... No, uh.
0: Is it true what I heard? Okay, so is it true what I heard was Frankie was always the one who liked to spend the money and give, 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 and you were kind of like the strict accountant that was like, no.
2: Absolutely.
0: I remember every single one of your parties, because I didn't start coming to your parties until later on when I was in this country, but maybe it was like in early 2000s, but you were always giving away t-shirts at every party.
2: Frankie's feeling was that um, people should always give something or get something and give you you know he's like people just don't give anymore when they do parties and so that was always something he would think about a CD or a t-shirt or any instance of the free party admission you know something.
0: I oh, I have a whole collection. I have like noise music. So. And you would be and you would be there like really and can you tell everyone like I think he had a thing like he would greet the first 100 people at the door wasn't that a thing he liked to do?
2: He'd like to be there for the first hour and then I'd be like, okay, uh, you know, people are hanging out and, you know, take your crowd with you.
0: (laughs) See, I love that. See, people used to say that. So let's go back and let's start with what I wrote down with questions. Can we go back? Can we go way back?
1: Go back, way back, back in the day.
0: How long have you known Frankie? And tell us, I mean, it's one thing for people to read. Everyone has read the story about you and Frankie probably not everyone actually I'm assuming but I think I want to hear in your words with your inflections how you met Frankie and just those early beginnings
2: um, I met him at I think I met him at the Bowery initially which was an after hours situation mm-hmm. sort of like the warehouse Frankie was introduced to me by a friend of mine who's a DJ in, uh, in DC Kurt Robinson and I don't know how Kurt and Frankie met, but he introduced us. Frankie had came out from New York. Robert had brought him out from New York. And people were being very standoffish to him for whatever reasons. You know how Chicagoans can be.
0: When he was starting to DJ and be the resident DJ?
2: This was even before then. He he was just getting a feel of the city. And so there was a group of us who hung out. Uh, We all lived out west. We kind of befriended him. And so uh, the next thing I know, Kurt had me coming and hanging out with him and Frankie, and we started doing mailings because Robert, at that point, Robert them would do mailings. Uh, the club would do mailings every week with the invitations with the theme for the party for that Saturday. We became, well, I started volunteering. We became friends. Then he started playing. I started working there. We got thicker. You know, the club went, it's run ran its course. Was this bef- this was
0: when he was a resident when Robert brought him to be right, a resident. Okay.
2: Right, right. But in the meantime, he played at different other places too. So you you know, we were friends even still during that time when he was like at Carol's or when he did a guest spot somewhere and you know. Um I didn't hang out with him a lot when he did those high school parties.
0: Um I don't know why I just kept picturing him just doing the warehouse. I, I can't no, picture him No, he did doing... some other stuff. He okay. He did other stuff, too.
2: He left 206. 206, you know, closed. He left, decided that he wanted to do his own thing. We were just friends at that point. I, I would consider him more like... Uh, in 1986, I lost a brother who ab- took me to the warehouse, who was the first person who actually took me to the warehouse. He was going to the warehouse. He's three years older than I am. And so... Through that, that's how I got to meet Robert and, and then subsequently Frankie, et cetera, okay. et cetera, et cetera, Because my brother's away at school and they would come in on the weekends. There was a whole group of kids that would come in from Lewis University uh, in Joliet to hang out at the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we maintained our friendship once he decided to open 1015. And the last party he played at the uh, Riviera was for a friend of ours. And the people... The owners of the club, the management, security, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, treated people so bad, he looked at me and said, if I ever come back here to do this again, it's me and you. And so that's how D&E was born. What year was this again? Let's see. D&E lasted for 13 years. Probably be the late 90s, 99, 98, something like that. I'd have to look to see.
0: When you say treating the crowd badly, because I remember... And I guess I can mention the club now. It was back then. Well, maybe I won't. But there was one time it was actually the first time I was asked to host one of your parties and I think and I think Frankie was playing, but I don't think they were expecting such a big crowd that they weren't letting a lot of the people at the door. Do you know what club I'm talking about? It was Entra. <laughs> It was Zentra. Oh. And it was an amazing party. I think it was like 2006. Oh. I still have pictures from it. And it was a great party, but I don't think this, the security was ready for the amount of color that was going to go in through the door. Zentra. And Frankie Ye- was really upset.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if that was one of our events or if it was an event that he was contracted to do. I think it might have been the second I one. I think it was, a, yeah, yeah, because I remember us talking about doing something uh, with them, but it never you know, came to fruition. So um, I remember him playing there a couple of times, twice as a matter of fact, but I think those were contract gigs.
0: That he but the was. first time, and I remember because one of my favorite interviews with him, Frankie's probably the most interviewed person in Five Magazine, and we said he has the most covers in Five Magazine, but one of my favorite interviews with him was he was always talking about how you treat people, so why don't we go to that, about how you treat your guests at a party. I don't think I've ever met a promoter or a DJ that had a philosophy that was as as wonderful as his that I've heard. But can you tell us a little bit about the uh, philosophy about how to treat people at a party, like some of the things that you would tell the people that worked at the party, how to treat guests?
2: Oh, he'd always tell them, you know, just relax and have a great time. You know, people, you know, these are not, you know, rabble rousers coming in here. These are people who, first of all, love music. They're coming to see me. And they're... You know, they're professionals. Everyone, you know, they're not looking for handouts. Everyone's a working, you know, working class. So treat them with respect.
0: So I, I'm kind of curious about the beginning when Frankie was in the warehouse and he was like a New York transplant. And I understand it was a little bit difficult getting the crowd to warm up to him.
2: That Well, that's why I meant by standoffish.
0: Can you tell us about some of those early days? Was it the music? Was it just because they were, you know, they weren't used to having someone from another city come in and how he warmed them up?
2: I don't think it was um, – it possibly could have been the music because you have just remembered that sound was just cultivating itself. Unless you had traveled to New York, you had never heard what we now call house music. And, and you know, for the most part, you know how Chicagoans can be. Yes. Very, very cliquish, and that's exactly what it was. And so that's why he would go out, which is why I think I met him that night at – at the Bowery, because he was out checking the scene out just to see what else was going on in the city. So he'd get a feel for it. It took almost a year for people to really start coming to 206. Really? Oh, yeah. It wasn't like the switch was flicked and it was overnight. A year? It, t- it took six months to a year to really, really get people to start coming in for whatever reason. But people weren't coming before then anyway. So don't think that you know he shows up and people stop coming. No. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean there was a reason to get people up in there. But you have to remember they moved from around the corner where Robert and others were and Craig Cannon was playing records at. Then they moved around the corner to 206.
0: It just became such a magical place, and it kind of grew into itself, which is wonderful to know. I'm glad you're telling me this because I think there's an assumption that Frankie just kind of came up, waved the magic wand, and everyone no, just no, fell no, no, in love not with not
2: them. it. It was work.
0: Can you, you tell know, us about some of the like the stuff that you have to do? People are really spoiled today. And I think it's good to hear stories about all the hustling that you have to do. Can you tell us like every week, what were the wor- what was the work that you had to do? Did you have to make calls? Did you have to do mailouts? Did you have to put flyers in cars?
2: No, oh, oh never cars, dear. <laughs> oh <laughs> no. No. Really? No, yeah, to the nom, nom. You
0: didn't put flyers in cars? Oh, never. Oh, because you mailed stuff.
2: Exactly. For here's the reason. <laughs> when when D and E started and I would go out and what we called canvassing, I would know that if when I came out from a club and there's fifteen flyers on my car, huh?
0: You would just toss them out. I the mean straight. come on.
2: You, you you didn't think enough of me to put it in my hand and, and say, Hey, why don't you come check this out? That personal contact means a lot. And I think that's kind of what's lost, but we're in a whole different age right now. We're in an electronic age, so everything's accessible, and that's the way you do things. Right. I, I get it. That's the, but back then, and it's not that long ago. Uh, like
0: Every week, like what would be the things that you would have to do to ensure that you had he a good would, party? He would
2: come up and design a flyer. The flyer would be printed. The mail would be done. There was a printer. They used a printer over in Union Station. Uh, somebody would go pick them up. You know, we'd meet like Tuesday. A new flyer every week. A new flyer every Is week. Was there a
0: new uh, concept every week?
2: Yes, there was always a theme. And then we had to stuff them and mail them. And you know, when they'd go back over to the union station because there was a PO box there. Then on Friday, Saturday we go buy fruit or whatever else we needed to. You know, for refreshments. Saturday night, we got there early and started getting things together so we could be open at midnight. He'd go down during the week, he'd go record shopping and, you know, a couple of days a week, he may go down there just to hear what records to play records, what better system to play on. Mm-hmm. And Because yeah, sound was really great. And so that's what constituted a week.
0: And it would go from, what were the hours again?
2: Midnight to 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Some days twelve, some days a little later than that. And who would
0: do the home. cleanup? I was always curious about that.
2: There were staff. Okay. There were people that that were hired to do that. That were probably people who had hung out. The night of the night before, and you know that's how they made their money.
0: did it who lived there? Because when Robert Williams did the interview with the BBC, and Frankie he sh- lived there for a while. Yeah, he showed like uh, like the back offices, which are all law offices now. Like there yeah, was a time they were when he really there.
2: beautiful offices, even before. Uh, I mean, it, it, they were it was very Art Deco. Uh, they were really gorgeous. Upstairs, the office part was really lovely. Robert did a great job in designing and laying the space out upstairs, and well as downstairs.
0: I love watching that interview that I did in his, uh, your place or his place. You remember, like it was like a video interview. He was talking about one of the reasons why he moved to the power plant. After a while, things start, it started getting dangerous. Like, people were getting stuck up.
2: See, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I never witnessed it, but they told me it was happening. I don't know, probably oblivious. It became very commercial. I will say that.
0: What kind of people started coming in? What tourist crowd or?
2: Uh, it became very banshee.
0: Okay, now you need to explain to everybody.
2: Everybody knows what banshee is, don't they? No, act everybody. Know this. I'm, well, this you is know gonna... what banshee is, don't they? Well, new. but
0: can you explain uh, that? <laughs> to you all know. the people around the world who are you listening know. to this? <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: Okay, it became from a membership club. It became a very commercial club. I'll clean it up.
0: You say banshee? I ban- did. I thought, like, Banji Girl, right? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I didn't know that meant commercial. I just thought that meant, I guess we could look it up in an urban dictionary, can't we? Uh-huh.
2: So, yeah. And the other thing was that the neighbors were tired of all of the uh, noise. At that point, the West Loop hadn't developed into what it is today. And so it, it was a different time.
0: You know, it's just such a golden time that people love to talk about it. But are there any particular memories or is there any particular story that you love to talk about? Or is there something that you wish? Because a lot of people like to say the four words that is a kind of a groaner. And I know you are all about moving forward. But the back in the day thing is very hard to say because then it kind of dates us, right?
2: Here's the thing. If you want to talk to me about back in the day, you needed to be back in the day. You, you know, I, I meet these little kids and they walk up. I used to go to the warehouse and I'm looking at them and I'm like, you couldn't have possibly.
0: Can you explain that? I mean, how do people try to get away? Why would they even want to say they were to the warehouse? So I,
2: mean. so I have a test. <laughs> I always ask them questions like, where was the bathroom and what did upstairs look like? And what was downstairs? And what was in the basement?
0: And what, what happens? Are they just slack-jawed?
2: Either they know, but for 90% of them, they don't know. I'd say 99% because there's no way. Because I asked them, how old are you? And in order to have gone to the warehouse, you would have to be presently 40 now. At least 39, 40.
0: Why do you think they would try to pretend that they went? I mean, especially to you. I can see them saying it to other people who didn't know better, but to you, they couldn't pull that.
2: I, I, I guess they don't think that I was there. So I, don't, I never tell people that. That's never the first thing that comes out of my mouth about, well, you know, I used to work at the warehouse. You know, I managed the warehouse. That, no. Oh, I mean, they didn't know
0: your involvement. I,
2: they I, would just. I, I never come out with that. I, two things I never really talk about is my former lives, because I, after I stopped working for Robert, I went corporate. I don't talk about who Frankie is to people. Say, for instance, so I meet people. Now I meet people. And so the first thing they say, well, do you? I say I run a non-for-profit. And so they say, oh, What's your non for profit? Who is it? And and so I go, and then they go, oh my God, you and I, because to me, he was Frankie. He was. My, he I was don't my friend. know how to
0: introduce you. That's. It's, I feel he, so he, bad. How do I introduce he, you? He was
2: my friend, and he was my brother, and he was my confidant, and he's my sister, and y- y- you know. So I, 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 it's hard to say who he was, and if you met my nephews, they would say they, they would say Uncle Frankie because that's what they called him. If you talk to my mother, she would probably say my other son. Right. You know what I'm saying. But how do you introduce me, Frederick? That's
0: this is Frederick. <laughs> so no, so no wild. Yeah. I'm not allowed to ask any of the wild stories, right?
2: Oh, also So back to memories. One of the other things that that I really one other too was one year that we served Thanksgiving dinner for Thanksgiving dinner.
0: So how many? How? Huh? Uh yeah. How many people did you serve I mean it like, had
2: to be about i mean of course, everybody's not going to eat it was It was after Thanksgiving or was it for Thanksgiving, so I was about three hundred people, and then wow. one New Year's Eve, we did uh champagne and rib tips was which was like our tribute to Harlem
0: What was the cover to get in if even if you remember what would be the cover
2: five dollars
0: so how did you finance? I'm still trying to figure out the economics of it. Like they would just pay a five dollar cover. There was no bar, right? No or bar. you and like the juice and everything was free, or water right. was free. Right. So if people wanted water. Would they just get cups of water, yeah. or
2: there was like a, a water a dispenser? I, I, I mean, we get the staff got guests. There, there was a, always a small guest list, and I think that's where I thank you, Robert, learned my. Um, my fundamental rules about a guest list. You know, uh, to me, people would say VIP, and, and I still see it now. The VIP are the people who've paid. Right. Not you who coming with your hand, out like, can I get on the list, can I get on the list? <laughs> right. you, you, you know, if you're you somebody that I'm doing business with, yeah, sure, I can understand adding asking for that courtesy, but certainly not now that if it's a FKF event, it's a fundraiser, so pay, come on. I mean, you, you know,
0: do the math. So it'd be five dollars.
2: It'd be five dollars ten, maybe New Year.
0: Would it be hard to get it? I don't know. Was it? The oh warehouse? no, it was
2: people. Look to be a member. Yeah, it because yes, it was hard to be a member. It because you had to be referred, and so at one point I became membership director.
0: Oh no! So you know how no. that went, right? <laughs> okay, wait. I'm trying to think of. What I was reading something. I don't know. If, I don't know what I was reading, but it was something about how to get. Was it the warehouse or was it? I don't know if it was the Paradise Garage, but I remember I saw a picture of a line. I'm pretty sure it was the warehouse. And it was like a bunch of guys in shorts. Like, you know, those like shorts from the 70s?
2: That sounds like a Paradise Garage moment.
0: Do you think it was? I think it was. But I know that it was very hard to get a membership, but I thought, I mean, to, to me it sounds like, oh, to get a referral, it's not hard. But some people would wait outside, right, and hopefully get... It's okay, Well, so. okay,
2: when I first started going to a studio uh you you had to be a member a friend of a member that is the formal name of the warehouse right u.s studios when i started going you had to be you had to accompany a member okay that member had to call you in your name in before a certain time i remember the first time i went to the warehouse i tell the story greg winfield's brother benny was working the door that night and benny was a very tall good-looking model Uh uh-huh and (laughs) i got to know him years after that but he was like uh yeah what do you guys want
0: oh okay
2: okay so at that point once we got past you know who who called our names and blah 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 It became that sometimes you could call in your guest and they could arrive after you arrived, but that was not the norm. In terms of being referred for a membership, you filled out this application, and it was a short form. And then it was always who referred you, and then there was always that little box, approve, yes or no, and initials. So, you know, people got memberships? Some didn't. But (laughs) what— It was not like 54. See, you're sitting there laughing. I just, oh, I can imagine.
0: You're the membership director. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, good luck with that. Like, no one could even, but I mean, how would you But I was a much kinder,
2: gentler, younger person then. Oh, no. At any rate, it it worked out fine.
0: But it's interesting to me because, I mean, I I never got, like, eventually people were able to come because it's not like Studio 54 where some people never got to go inside.
2: Well, that's where I said it'd be starting getting commercial. And, oh. and the membership rules became a little more relaxed.
0: Would you have let me in? Would you have let me be a member? Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> as I sit in your house. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's talk about the foundation. All, if you guys want to look, Google Five Magazine, Frederick Dunson, we have a couple of interviews with you. After his passing, there was a little bit of, uh, things got a little bit out of hand. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of what That's the impetus.
2: That's, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of, to get a better control over his, and everyone says these, they say his brand, all of these so-called quote-unquote fundraisers that was given in his honor, the one that you gave at primary was the only one who did what they said they were going to do and lived up to, lived up to what they were supposed to do in, in the manner in which it was supposed to be done.
0: Thank you, by the way, for giving us permission to do that.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, how could I tell you now? <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, there was one at primary with Alan King, Wayne Williams, Craig Loftus, and Michael Winston, and it went to the American Red Cross. American Diabetes Association. American Diabetes Association. Right. right. This mm-hmm. damn champagne, Frederick.
2: Stop drinking it. Put, Give me the bottle. I'll finish the rest up. Okay. <laughs> No,
0: come on. No, here, oh, okay. Well, let me refill this. Okay. But it was, and it was a lovely, but I remember, let me tell you guys something. It was very, very hard to get the permission. And I remember... See, we're almost finished. There were, thank you so much for that, Champagne.
2: Like I said, you were the only person who approached me and followed the, I don't want to say rules, but the protocol. That's, because now there is a protocol set in place by the foundation there with people who were doing things and I'm like
0: without even asking you? you
2: who are, who are you uh, oh. well I knew Frankie and I was Frank. Mm, well that very may well be true because I don't know everyone who Frankie knew he knew he's he was a global figure you know to say that oh he's my friend he's that okay being that I was his business associate and I repped him at, there's a 75% chance that if he knew you, I knew you. There's 75%, but there's some, or he would have introduced me to you. Like all his friends in New York that I now am friends with, I met through him. And I said that at his his New York Memorial. It was a room full of people. I was like, most of you I met through him. So for them to do that, and then to not do anything with the money Where's the money going?
0: So I'm confused about that because, I mean, you were not, were you able to shut down most of the benefits or did some of them just have these benefits in his name? It was a tribute. They would call them tributes. They would call them tributes. But there was no money that was going to any There was no money
2: going to that. So that went on for a while. What's a while? A year maybe? Short of.
0: That's crazy, and you weren't able to like sure put them out.
2: Well, you have to remember there there's legal things that you have to do. You just I can't just call you up and say, "Oh no, you can't use his name" until that happened, and that happened
0: because it was March thirty first two thousand.
2: Yeah, my brother's birthday. My brother who took me to the warehouse. It's his birthday. Really? So I always said him and Frankie are probably getting a big kick out of this. <laughs> the foundation was founded in December of two thousand and fourteen. So it was to the point of there there were some things in place Frankie had put in place. And so there was at least legal representation. So if we found out something during the interim time before the foundation was established, we would say, Oh, you can't do this. Okay. And people would get bent out of shape. Well, I knew him and well, that's fine and dandy, but come on, where's the money going?
0: So, what were some of the stipulations that you couldn't have? Like, so they couldn't have parties in his name. You couldn't use his name and likeness. And that's
2: still the case. Frankie Knuckles Foundation is a non for profit organization. We are a non for profit educational, cultural, and cultural organization dedicated to the advancement of Frankie's mission as the global, what we feel is as being the global ambassador of house music through media, conservation, public events, and continuing to support the causes. He advocated. We are a recognized 501c3, and our initiatives are Music in Schools, which he was a big proponent of, LGBTQ youth homelessness, AIDS research and prevention, and diabetes research and education. So the last couple of years, once we've got established, has been, it looks like we've been doing a lot on the conservation education Components. Uh, Frankie's vinyl collection is housed at the Stony Island Arts Bank. Oh, it's beautiful. Courtesy of our, who I called our angel, Theaster Gates. Theaster loves house music, so I, I, I mean, if you ever get a chance to meet, he just he he's just crazy about house music. The collection was going to go to, or was being considered to be sent to. Columbia College's Center for Black Music Research. So we went, we toured, and and, and things had started rolling because it was just in storage because Frankie had stopped playing it. You know, CEs, how many records
0: are we talking about here?
2: Five thousand, I think.
0: Okay, okay.
2: And they're not all just house dance. There's stuff of his personal. You, you know, there's some jazz. There's some gospel. There's show tunes. Plenty of show tunes.
0: Oh,
2: <laughs> um, things didn't pan out with Columbia. Somehow, it, it fell through the cracks. Frankie then left us, and so the conversation became, so what now of the vinyl collection? And the first thing that I wanted to do, and it was just one of those days that I was like, look, you, you know, this is just not a good day for me. Put that shit up on eBay, and let's get Oh, ready. no,
0: you were considering that.
2: And so my co-director... <laughs> <laughs> well. They were like, look, let's have a moment with you. Let's talk about this. And I was like, but, you know, and they were like, no, we understand. You just, you just, you know, it's just a little too much for you right now. And so in the meantime, one of the co-directors, Randy Crompton, had this idea about doing an exhibit with Frankie's music bags because some of the music bags have labels from all over the world and different kind of music bags. There's an MCM music bag. There's a Louis Vuitton music box. There's a there's an Adidas. There's a couple of Adidas record bags. Then there's a hard cases that he would travel with. So he
0: collected them.
2: He didn't collect them. That was just what he used to carry because that was that was how DJs carried oh, okay. their records then okay I, you know I know because I did a couple of stints touring with him and I the record bags and so it, but it got to the point of uh things got crazy he went to a gig and he got there and the records didn't show up oh luckily it was somewhere in Italy I want to say where he could scramble and get Enough to play that night and make it back home and start all over again. Or it was just those. They just went missing completely? come on it's oh, you know the, the baggage handlers were looking at all I mean because all the big djs traveled in european circles so they couldn't carry them on the plane they had to check them under they know what record bags are and these guys would literally steal their record bags that's why most djs stopped playing vinyl that traveled a lot
0: i never that, heard that before that, and
2: the fact that it just became too cumbersome to just
0: well i thought they always used made it hand care i never thought they checked it in
2: no you couldn't they're they're square boxes Oh, square, okay. And they weigh 60, 70, 80 Well, especially pounds. if he was doing multiple gigs. And... Right. Exactly. Oh, wow. So that's why most stopped. They were so glad when, when CDs, they could start burning everything and put them on CDs because the CD cases they can carry and check in the overheads you hear or that? put under
0: their seat. You hear that, vinyl purists? Okay, go ahead. Um,
2: <laughs> and then, of course, that, you know, then they started do- using jump drives. That became the real deal because, you know, you put two in your pocket and you're gone for the rest of the evening. You know? Yeah. So that's why most people... But, but anyway, Randy had an ideal about doing this exhibit with the record bags. Because the- Theaster is known, one, for buying collections of things, and two, doing things with them to make them Real accessible. quick, can you
0: tell... Because I remember you, were the, you gave me the whole speech on Theaster, and you guys can Wikipedia this. But can you just give a real quick, 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 quick thing on Theaster Gates? Because he is absolutely brilliant, and you really turned me on to all the work he's done for Chicago. Can you just give us a quick... <sighs>
2: The Aster is one of the how do I call him i it, it it's it's like sitting in a room and you have a whirlwind come around you with ideas and conversation, and when that whirlwind exits the room, you sit there and you're like "Wow,
0: because he's done a lot
2: he's done a lot and he thinks about what he's doing and it has a purpose, but he's also very community based I remember the very very first One-on-one conversation I had with him, he walked me around his compound because he he believes in buying up properties in his neighborhood and revitalizing them.
0: And he's redesigned like a train station in Chicago? Uh, He
2: just finished the 95th CTA station.
0: And the building where the- The bank building. uh, The bank building where the record collection is stored is his too. It's
2: his. He he got that building for a dollar. What? They were about to tear it down. That building stayed empty for 20 years easily and nobody wanted to do anything with it. The story is that Rahm Manuel came out, Rami Manuel's wife came out to talk to Theaster or see, because he does something with kids in the neighborhood. And the mayor said, well, you know, you're doing such great work. Is there anything I can do for you? And Theaster said, yes, you can let me buy that bank.
0: And he sold it for a dollar?
2: It took him a while to get there. It, it wasn't just like, here, here's a dollar. Give me the deed. No, I mean, he had to go legally to purchase it. But that's what it was. And he put four or five million dollars in it. I mean, you've been in it. You've seen oh, how. Oh, it's
0: gorgeous. Well, he does art installations and he does he like does- exhibits and that's where Frankie's collection is. So did, I'm sorry. So going back to what you were saying, because you were saying Theaster became involved with it. Did the record bags ever get into the picture or it just became the record collection? It
2: became the record collection. Okay. So the bags are still there, because that's part of the The collection. record bags are there? The record bags are there, but they're in storage.
0: Well, why not? I didn't see them when I was there well, for Well, the your... room, I mean, you saw
2: the size of the room. Yeah, and, right, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. And
0: so now, can you tell us, like, you have tours to see Frankie's record collection.
2: they are tours. The hope is to eventually get the collection digitalized so people can actually have access to it. I have a, a large concern about people pulling and playing the vinyl. Okay,
0: guys, so let me just quick, like, pause. So you had a big a big to-do where I got to wear, like, a ball gown to one of your events. Oh, that was so much fun. It was our fun. gala last year. They had a gala. And, and our gala
2: this year is coming up in August, August 26th.
0: Oh, no. The
2: day after Frankie Knuckles Day. It's our celebration of
0: Frankie That's Knuckles 12th Day. That's our 12-year anniversary for Five Magazine. Oh, my gosh. I
2: was as early, though.
0: Ours is August 26th. But ours is early. Our event is August Oh, yours with. Okay, okay, good. We can do both. So yeah. I went to the gala. Why does everything <laughs> happen at the same time? So it's maybe Chicago. I'll change
2: it. You know how summers in Chicago are. If you've noticed the trend for the last couple of years in Chicago, there's always so much going on in the summer, and then in the winter, it kind of slacks off. Yeah,
0: but I want to just go do that ball, That ball, honey. But the ball was beautiful, so we went, and the Joel Hall dancers performed. Um, Teresa Griffin sang. She Air- did
2: Frankie's tunes.
0: Uh, amazing. And then Eric Copper played, and then I remember that was the first time I'd ever been to that building. And I went upstairs and i ate delicious food i'm at the aster very briefly and then i went through the record collection it was so funny there were like people like don't you touch anything but i also heard from a so thank you so much for that wonderful wonderful gala
2: oh you're welcome
0: I remember i dropped my purse my purse exploded so i had this like little purse that my mom gave me exploded and my credit card dropped and you look for me everywhere and you're like miss thing your credit card
2: well i just didn't you know not at my event the educational components, we've done two panels there. One okay. featuring Craig Loftus, Alan, Robert, uh, Lori, Lori Branch.
0: What was, was the that? panel about?
2: House music and the history of house music in Chicago.
0: And then the second one?
2: Was a collaboration with Ron Trent, Rob, and Eric Williams of the Silver Room for the Block Party, presenting their the book by Bill Bernstein. Disco... Disco Nights. Is that the name
0: of it? Disco, Disco Nights? or is it not Disco Demolition? Disco Nights? Disco Nights. So what else
1: have you done in terms of your initiative for the Frankie Knuckles Foundation? Two of the things that we have done in terms of conservation has been, uh, one, placing and having Frankie's vinyl collection moved up to the Astor Gates uh, Stony Island Arts Bank. But the other um, thing, other collaboration that we've done with D'Aster was for his inaugural exhibit entitled How to Build a House Museum. That was uh, in Toronto this past summer in which he paid um, homage to Frankie and used actual articles of Frankie's, including one of his turntables, one of his reel-to-reel tape machines, as well as a number of Frankie's signature baseball caps. It was our second collaboration with him. Uh, In addition to that, uh, more recently, as of this week, um, he took the piece that he used to pay homage to Frankie. It's now sitting on the first floor as the main exhibit at the Sony Island Arts Bank. Nice. Yes. So, the second, uh, one of our second initiatives in order to start the philanthropic work is to get global uh, visibility. And so, one thing that we're possibly considering is planning a global observance of Frankie's birthday, which will include uh, some orchestral tributes and selected singing to go along with the party.
0: Well, I got to tell you, okay, Frederick, listen, I've never seen anyone hustle. You remind me of me when I was, I went to every single art festival, like, party. Frederick is there with that Frankie FKF booth, right? Selling those t-shirts. So if you want to see Frederick in person and show him some love, go buy a t-shirt. I wear, can I tell you, I wear my Frankie Knuckles t-shirt all the time. When I'm having sex with a stranger, I'm just... (laughs) Okay. but like he is like okay so like during the summer like Chicago has a million festivals going on right well
2: the one thing is all the festivals in the West Loop
0: he is there in, within that booth with selling the, like the FKF stuff with like the, like the manifesto there or what do you call it, like, the flyers you really hustle I am very impressed sometimes you're by yourself I saw uh-huh. you at the the West Loop uh-huh. where I was afraid the one that Carla does
2: right, well Carla thank you for introducing me to her oh of course Carla who is the executive director for the West Loop committee organization that I'm a member of, but I'm also now a board member.
0: Oh, okay. Carla Augustinelli? Yes. Shout out to her.
2: Carla asked me to become a board member and they Wow. They kind of, you know, accepted me. Because Carla really believes in our mission and she wants us to get you know, some visibility. Besides our offices in the West Loop. Frankie lived in the West Loop. It only made sense for me to start participating. So usually when we get booths for those, the West Loop associated, they're, they're donated by Wilco. Um, oh, okay. So how can I say no to somebody who's trying to give me a
0: pull-up? And so what are your plans exactly? Because if you were to, in a nutshell, I know the manifesto or behind the Frankie Knuckles Foundation, but in one word, is it to keep his memory alive or is it to continue house music?
2: It's... A multifaceted kind of thing, one is to keep his legacy intact, two is to preserve the integrity of that legacy because Frankie worked very hard to get to where he is very true, where he he he's noted to be. you witnessed it and I witnessed it firsthand. I mean, we were friends thirty over thirty eight years, so I know how hard he worked. The one thing I've been thinking about, and I don't haven't even talked to the board about this yet. Is that I would like to see, like all of those festivals in Europe, at some point have like a Frankie Knuckles stage, Frankie Knuckles tent, where new talent can be cultivated. I often think of that same thing happening here in the city because you know what? I I tell people all the time Chicago, for what it's worth, has some of the best DJs. The problem is there's so many great DJs that. There's no place for him, no opportunities for him, so it becomes the crab and the barrel syndrome. I, I, I mean, I'm keeping it real, and, and you, you know, anyone who wants to say anything different, you know, uh, okay. But that's exactly what it is. So it, when we do an event like his birthday party, that gives us an opportunity to have somebody like D and Ralphie and the Queen residents come and play.
0: Yeah, you know I like I mean? that this year you changed it up. I like that a lot.
2: Well, it had been David, Louis, and Tony... Year one, David Louie, year two, year three, year four. We decided to go, you know, let's let's do a kind of local. And we saw that it worked. So that very may well happen again. The other thing that I've been thinking about is some sort of event that FKF could sponsor on a regular basis that would introduce unknown DJs. Because trust me, there are some guys out there, guys and girls, who are playing that Every time I hear him, it, like I'll I'll give an example, and I hate that I'm gonna do this. So oh, maybe, maybe I won't do this. <laughs> All the, the but, other DJs will get there. Exactly, exactly. But that's
0: okay. Well, you can think about it. Just go ahead and say, it, and then you know. But
2: but uh, there's a young man who I've been talking about, who is like every time I hear him play, I tell him he's like a breath of fresh air. Who? Nah. I, I think
0: you might have mentioned it, to him. Go ahead. You can
2: Steve Maxwell.
0: Okay. Well, tell us why he's a breath of fresh air to you. It's
2: just that the, the, the things that he's playing, I mean, it's all new music, first of all. And he's not relying on, he, here's the thing, when people say that, you know, my crowd won't, they don't, won't go for that, they won't go for that. Well, no, that's not your job as the DJ. Your job as the DJ is to introduce the record and make them like it.
0: Oh, you know what? I You definitely should talk about that. So tell us about So what happens when, you know, you got a couple of people with their arms crossed and they're not dancing? But good for you if you keep playing it, right? I mean.
2: You you know, at least if you've heard this DJ before, you know what you're going to get when you go here. I mean, I've heard him. Oh, my God. Him and I've been listening to another DJ. I'm going to probably get slapped for this, too. <laughs> but um, Zach Jones.
0: Okay zach jones never, i don't think i know zach jones
2: well he's he's a doctor by trade
0: dude a house music doctor
2: and so he he's a friend of oscars so he plays very much soulful and ethereal like oscar plays
0: oh wait tell for the people who are oscar who mcmillan know. i'm sorry okay so oscar mcmillan is from chicago
2: yes local talent so you, you know you get that kind of a brother fresher is brother very fresher.
0: nice to hear which is sometimes you don't always get that in Chicago right
2: <sighs> Unfortunately you <laughs> don't <laughs> And so people you, you know you you think that I become jaded about it but it's not that I become jaded about it it's it's the truth I mean how many times can
0: I hear let no man put us under Oh my gosh well you know but I mean, that's interesting but I know, was I, there when the record came out are You really were you You know I date yourself <laughs> But you know, but let me ask you something real quick. And I mean, I actually talked about this yesterday and we won't get into a long conversation about it. But since you kind of just brought this up, playing a song that either, you know, you have a pressure to make a crowd dance or you can introduce something you and they're going to have to learn about it. And maybe not everyone's going to fill up the floor. How do you think uh, Frankie would look at that situation? What what would he choose? Something that he knows that will fill the floor or one that he knows may alienate them, but let them hear something you. He'd go B. nice. He'd go B. And I'm sure you've seen him do it a lot oh, of times. My
2: God. I remember Let's when we you're talking about going back to the warehouse, that's exactly what that was a case of. F- people Music that people weren't familiar with.
0: But he persisted. He was like, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play this. House
2: uh, aficionados. Mm. And, and they come in varying degrees.
0: With quotes.
2: I, <laughs> with don't, quotes. I see the air quotes there. <laughs>
0: with quotes.
2: Because, you know, they think they all know house music. Okay, yeah, well. Right. Um, uh, and not that I'm the barometer by all means, no.
0: That's so refreshing to hear and I think every DJ wants to hear what you just said about Frankie because you know, sometimes, you know, when you see an empty dance floor but you're trying to bring in new music I mean, not, not everyone had like the the privilege of having a residency where they can hone their ears and get them used to it. But I'm glad that you, especially that you are running the foundation, right? Or you are are you head of the foundation? Can I, I say I am
2: founder, president, and executive director. Puff, puff. You all heard that,
0: <laughs> okay? I, you are all about <laughs> I know how to pick a battle. <laughs> So I'm glad that, and and I'm sure that's what Frankie wants, and that's why you want to do something similar where you are championing new people or new music.
2: New music, there's a saying that he used to have. The world goes around you, and if you stay in one place, the world will continue to go around you, and you will still be in that one place. However, if you choose to move with the world, then you will follow around the world and you'll be a part of the world moving.
0: You heard it here first, or maybe you didn't. I heard about the grass, about the thing his father used to say, if something about the grass will grow under your feet.
2: If you stand there long enough. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I was going to ask you this, but maybe I won't because it doesn't go well. But I was going to ask you, but you can choose if you want it. Otherwise, I won't. Okay. The differences between the New York and the Chicago tributes of for Frankie have been very beautiful, right? And been vastly different. I won't even ask you because it seems like New York blew Chicago out the water. I won't even ask
2: you. That. You mean this year? You well, mean the birthday party?
0: So there have been tributes for Frankie both in Chicago and New York that have been, you know, been have had your blessing and I know you've been going back and forth between New York and Chicago and it's been crazy. It seems you, like there's a big difference. You do you mean the memorial or the actual Either birthday? Either one, tributes? like the birthday tributes, the memorials, just it seems like there's like a whole different way of the way they've been doing it like uh, So let's talk about the the recent birthday tribute 2017 for Frankie that you went to the New York one on Saturday. Right, and then you flew to Chicago for the one at Queen Sunday.
2: Right, so because that was the us. one FKF was hosting. Right, so tell us about that. Um, the Kings of House: David, David Morales, Louis Vega, and Tony Humphrey, who played that year that Frankie came, the very first birthday party that started at Queen, right. um, or at least in that residency um they had the party at space Ibiza, new york and first of all the room was incredible i mean chicago should be so lucky to have a room that big it was huge where is it where's space abisa it's on 50th and the highway right off of 50th and the highway okay but i mean it's just a huge club and the sound was just incredible i mean it it made me think this is the reason people come to new york for an evening like this wow it was packed it was people who wanted to come out and dance. You had three of the greatest DJs playing. I mean, I, they were really good. And I'm not saying that because, you know, we're friends. And in, in David's case, we're family. You know, they were really, really good. What's his name? Leroy Burgess. Satoshi played a live set of Tears. And then B.B. Winans. Wow. So, you know, unfortunately, people in Chicago, when we can't afford, we can't. Uh, How much was the cover? 20 pre-sale, 40 at the door.
0: That's nothing.
2: For New York, no. But try doing that in Chicago.
0: I mean New York, they they charge you that on a weekly and people pay, dancers pay, regulars pay that for no problem. Why do you yeah. think that is? Why do you think New Yorkers can pay that and Chicago won't? I think
2: there's that's that that's what the market dictates. there are so they're used to it here, you know. Okay. To go back to D and E, we'd have problems when people were we asking for twenty or twenty five, they'd want to cry, you know.
1: Oh man, man,
2: come well, come on, you, you know. House of Blues did not call me up and say, oh, by the way, you
0: guys want to do a party here? <laughs> no, they didn't, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's so crazy. Isn't that crazy though? Like, I mean, I don't know if it's just the high, but New Yorkers have no problem paying that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was, I think it was on a bigger scale. The one here in Chicago, as you witnessed, we've outgrown that space because it was crowded. So um, I've had the conversation with Joe, Joe Shanahan, owner of Smart Bar Metro, who's president of our advisory council committee. You know, let's think about what we want to do.
0: Do you think you might uh, move it to a bigger space, maybe Metro?
2: Well, we tried Metro and last year, 2016, we tried Metro um, and the numbers weren't there like they should have been could have been but it was the coldest night of the year that night if everyone can remember it was like 40 below outside this year was a different thing it was warm people you know people stood in line until three o'clock you know that's that's
0: you know and it's so tough i feel sorry for anyone who lives in chicago who has a birthday between january and february because you just never know what that's you're gonna happen, get. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Would you ever consider doing it another date when it's warm? Or I guess that wouldn't make sense it wouldn't because make it's sense. It's M L K weekend. Yeah, and it's, right. it's his birthday. Well, I had a great time regardless. It was a great party. Yeah, that's fun. Maybe you can have some strippers? Um, okay, so um, real- I would <laughs> like strippers, but
2: I'd like to see them first.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, what? Which, can- <laughs>
2: by the way, takes me back to a Frankie memory. Oh when yes. When he played at Sound Factory <laughs> Bar, and I remember one night this stripper they were breaking this stripper in, what? and the crowd. Wait, 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 what are you breaking
0: a stripper in? Well, it was,
2: you could tell that it was his first night dancing.
0: Oh, you mean a go-go dancer? A go-go. Okay.
2: And baby, the way the crowd went in, and after him, he was. Mm.
0: oh it was good mm. i don't remember any male go-go dancers at sound the,
2: factory bar oh
0: sound factory not sound bar sound factory. no not
2: sound bar <laughs> <laughs> stefan would be like uh what's this
0: <laughs> oh my oh okay okay I remember, no i know i don't think i went to an fk party at sound factory but that sound that factory bar, bar yeah that was the T. So right now, what can people do to contribute or to help out with the foundation?
2: There is a PayPal address and it's their PayPal button is located on the holding page for the website, which is T H E F K Foundation.org. They can also mail donations to the uh Frankie Knuckles Foundation, P.O. Box 6636, Chicago, Illinois, 60680. 60680- dash six six
0: three six and we'll put the link also in the show notes below so you guys can just go directly to it right
2: the other thing is they can buy a t-shirt or two when when they come out and they see t-shirts being sold well for the
0: people not in chicago i highly encourage you guys to have that available online well that's what we're trying to
2: do that i mean they're really we've we've got three designs now the first one was uh designed by Malone of Gab Magazine. The very. This FK, is it the one with the FKF? The FKF. Yeah, I got that, that was, one. That was Malone's design. The second one was designed by or commissioned by David Morales.
0: Okay, I got that one too.
2: Which is the Frankie Knuckles heart. Which right. Love Frankie Knuckles. And the third one is a rehash of a design of a t shirt that Frankie and I did for one of his family reunions but it's been given a new life because now it's in a foil
0: it's in a what
2: it's in a foil and it says knuckles on it in a script
0: you know what you had that at the birthday party that's the one
2: yeah that's that's the new one
0: how do you want people to remember you by because everyone you know okay frederick is really lovable but he is definitely when he gets in a mood he gets in a mood okay well (laughs) but how do you want people to remember you by
2: I don't get in moods. It would sound like, you know, like I'm taking mood altering drugs or
0: something.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Come on here.
0: Um, he doesn't put up with BS. Well, I, right,
2: exactly. There that's, you go. There, that, that's, the, that's, that's exactly what it is, Arena. You've known me long enough now to know. And me and you have... Cut up and Uh cut each other, and had different conversations. But we've also had very real conversations. Yes, we have. To me, craziness is just that craziness. You know, if you're not doing anything to help a situation, step the fuck off and keep it moving.
0: Ooh, (laughs) next. I mean, well, you're business and, you know, you're definitely well, no nonsense.
2: I mean, business, business in front, party
0: in back. No. Oh, yes. Well, we can't talk about the naughty side. You'd have to be with us. But like in terms of Frankie, like, I mean, you were his roommate for a while too, correct? Yes. Okay. Did he, um, did he ever talk to you about stuff like, you know, should I pass? I wanted this to happen. Did you have conversations like that already in place or, you know?
2: There were some things that had been discussed, but. He actually discussed more of that with Judge Maurice.
0: Can you tell people who judges? Judge
2: uh, is a friend of ours. He used to work for D and E, and he traveled with Frankie as an assistant. Uh, he was for a, a while. tough one at
0: the booth. You could not get in that booth if you tried.
2: He was doing what he was told.
0: No, I know. He was the one who would always be dancing, dancing up a storm by Frank. If you ever saw him, he had a little hat. Little black hat, and like if you his even pill tr- box. his pillbox, his pillbox had. And if you tried to get into the booth, he would be like, Oh no, it was and, a great
2: no, he was great at it. I, you, you go places and you see these DJ booths, and there's 60 people staring, standing in the DJ booth. For what in the hell are you back there for? So I agree. people can see that you're back there and you know the DJ. Half of you don't know the DJ. Thank you. So why are you in the way? And Frankie always had a thing of saying to me, Do I come on your job and stand over you? So that's why when it was an event that I had something to do with, if I saw the booth get, I'd like clean this out, clean it out fast. Of course, there are people who you want colleagues and stuff who, you know, to extend that courtesy to. But say hello and move. Don't be
0: camping out there looking for a free drink. No, they just want to camp out so they can be, oh, listen, you're Or, the, you're or, or, the or when a picture
2: is taken that, you, oh, my God, I was in the booth and I hung out in the booth. What are you getting for it? I mean, what do you get for it? When I go someplace, I, I, perfect example, I waited till almost the end of the evening to go say hi. to. I, I saw David earlier behind the booth, but I didn't hang out in the booth with them. They're working. First of all, they got other people to see. There are other, you know, there are industry people, and it's since it was just such a rare party for them. Of course, I'm sure there are all sorts of people who are going to want to say hi. Why am I going to be standing there taking up space and air? Get the fuck out the way! And it just kills me when I go to these events and there's 50 people standing there and everybody's looking at each other. Huh? I don't get
0: it. I the, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I don't know how. Like it's it's so irritating. It's like stupid. Well good for you and and so the last thing is well is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about
2: <laughs> that I was a kind and gentle soul
1: not <laughs> <laughs> I could that.
0: But you've done a lot of incredible. You know, I don't think you get enough credit, right? For all the stuff well, that you do I, for It's I, hard being the person behind the scenes because everyone is always trying to take 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 from you and you are always the one and people probably don't understand like how much stuff you have to do to keep his legacy alive and to the work.
2: It's not so much t- well, the take 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 yes, but it's not so much looking doing it to look for credit. It's doing it because I love house music. And he he taught me about house music. There, <laughs> God, I wish he was here to tell the story. I played records in high school for two what? years.
0: What? Oh, hold on. Hold, hold.
2: So glad that we're at the end of this. You played and records so, for two years. For two years through high school, I played for my high school for. I went to uh, Saint Ignatius, so there was a black organization of students. And so they would always have two parties a year. So for four parties, I played records.
0: Like you mixed.
2: I played records. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't. I, well, Am know. I the first one? hearing about this. I have no. Never known about this. Okay, it's okay. one
2: of those little-known black facts. <laughs> <laughs> black
0: facts. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay, so continue.
2: I wouldn't love house music the way I do if it hadn't been for people like Robert and Frankie. They taught me about listening to music. Robert taught me about what music should sound like. Frankie then picked up that baton and taught me what sound should be like and choice and what to look for in a record. Although our taste would, was really kind of different on some tunes. Because some tunes Frankie would play and I'd be like, hmm? oh, okay. And then... If the record would grow on me and i was like that's really cute and he'd look at me and go uh-huh remember you used to cut it and i was like yeah well you know
0: oh i'm sure
2: <laughs> you know. well it will tell
0: well what were some of the things that frankie told you or robert told you about like listening to music or
2: it should be clear it should be crisp not necessarily loud because i think a lot of people equate loud with good
0: oh my gosh yes and <laughs> that's def- no what else? What else?
2: Oh, so we forgot to talk about this thing about FKF in January in terms of conservation. We were lucky enough to be asked by Soho House with Robert Williams to curate the sixth floor of the venue and turn it into 206. For New Year's Eve. For New Year's Eve. 2016, 2016 to 17. Right. And downstairs, Derek Carter curated music. For They had this big mirror ball that was made into a DJ booth. They had a mirror what? ball where people were swinging on the DJ booth taking pictures. They had a roller rink on the second floor in the gym. Ron Trent played upstairs. The room was decorated. I, at one point when I walked in and I looked, I was like, this looks just like the warehouse. Wait, the, wait, streamers, the, the streamers and the balloons and it was just really beautiful. It was a small space. Long and narrow, like The Warehouse. But what really made it interesting was Ron Trent. It was like he was channeling Frankie. Really? He played the right records. I mean, records that certainly Ron wouldn't have known because he's not that old.
0: Oh, so he did his research. He did his research. Was he uh, at The Warehouse when uh, Frankie was playing? That's even more impressive
2: and the inflections on sound the way he played with the system I, I mean it was it was and just incredible. incredible it was really incredible Soho and FKF they have a very special place or we have a very special place in their heart
0: anything else that we need to say before um, before we go and I mean you know we can always add more but let me anything else Let's see. I don't know girl you're doing this
2: Hello, my name is Frederick Dunson, and I am currently the founder of the Frankie Knuckles Foundation, as well as its president and executive director. Formerly, I was business partners with Frankie in D&E Entertainment. Prior to that, I had several other lives.
0: College boy. Ooh ooh.